Thank you for tuning into Destiny House Church as we seek to draw closer to Jesus. We're so glad you've joined us today. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Court or one of the other anointed speakers as we pursue the Father's heart. This is a place before your arms, and we thank you, Father, that you have wrapped your arms around this nation, God. And just these last few weeks, God, we see an outpouring of your Spirit. We're seeing many people saved and set free, God. We're seeing many people come alive to some resolution in their life that they can't just have things the easy way or the entitled way, that they've got to do things your way. I pray today, Father, that you would speak to us in your glory and in your power and your clarity and your boldness today. Father, I ask that you would remove me and my mortal opinions that you would replace those with everything that you want to convey to us today. We praise you and we thank you. Come on, let's give him a hand this morning. Thank you, praise team. I'm going to jump right into this this morning. 1 Peter chapter 2, 16 and 17 says, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood and fear God. How many of you are glad today we are still in a free nation? Amen. We celebrate a lot today. The, you know, the fourth has a lot of different, unfortunately, it's got a lot of different connotations in America these days. But the, the real reason why we celebrate it is going back to what we say at so many, whether it's Veterans Day or Memorial Day, these three really are the same to me that we honor those that have laid down their lives for the freedom of this country. Amen. And I, I know the 4th of July is, is about other things as well, but is it not the most important thing for us to come in here today and not only honor the Lord, but honor the, the men and women that sacrifice themselves um, uh, on battlefields across this world so that we can, can come into church um, and, and have the freedom to worship today. I can't promise you how long it's going to remain this way. I can't promise you that a year from now we're going to have the same liberty that we have right now. But I can tell you that we as a church and as a people absolutely don't have an option to lay down our arms, and when I say arms, I mean our pivotal point right now in Christ Jesus to be the church, to stand up and be counted for and not be a mute church. Yeah. Have, have any of you ever been moved by a church that's mute? No. Have any of you ever been moved by, by a, a, a religion that that says a whole lot but really doesn't do anything to affect change in their community. That's not who we are. And so we celebrate the lives today that gave us what we have today so that we can come in here and we can worship. So I, wanna, I want us to do something real quick. I want us to go back into prayer uh, about a couple of items. Father, we, we know that you're moving and you are working in this community, God. But I know, Father, there are so many hurting. There are so many people even in this church, God. I know we've got many out today. I get it. 
But Father, I would ask today that you would mend up the brokenhearted in this room. The broken marriages in this room, God. The abuse issues in this room. The cruelty in this room. The rage in this room. The rampant sin represented in this room. God, I pray that you'd pull no punches today as we seek your word. Isaiah chapter 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison of those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they may, call, they may be called trees of righteousness. The planning of the Lord that he may be glorified. And that they shall rebuild the old ruins. How many of you know today that we're, we're coming to church today to rebuild the old ruins? We're not satisfied with how East Liverpool looks right now. We're not satisfied with the lack of reaction in the body of Christ. We're not satisfied with men not standing up and being men in the church and men in their families. We are not satisfied with the way uh, marriages are looking very mediocre and calm and boring. We're not satisfied with doing things status quo. We are not satisfied unless we receive the true revival of God in this area. We're not satisfied by continuing to walk in here cold and tired. Cold at heart and tired. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to light you guys up today because I'm, I'm, I'm going to light myself up today because this is... We, we, we have got to change. I'm, we, we have got to get to the point where we follow the conviction of the Holy Spirit that we, when God tells us to do something, we do it. And, and that we, we, don't, we don't be unkind to people because we're having a bad day. We have got to suck it up. And we have got to remember that people are out there dying. You're fussing and complaining about that person sitting next to you. And there's people in East Liverpool without electricity. Stop complaining and be a prophet in this area. Start speaking life into this community. Come on, don't just sit there. Stand up. Let's praise him right now. Let's get up. Get up. Let's praise the Father. We lift up your holy, holy, holy name, God. We repent before you. Come on, start repenting of your sin. Jesus, forgive me for the sin I have committed, God. I need your authority. I need your power. 
trying to be dramatic today. It's not, not the goal. Just ask that you would open your eyes. Just ask that you would open your eyes to the disintegrating family that you have around you. I would ask that you would open your eyes to the witness that you're carrying. I would ask that you would stop blaming other people for all your crap. I would ask that you would start following God and stop being religious. I'm talking to me too. Stop being religious people. Nobody cares about your religion. Nobody cares about your denominational background. Nobody cares about your theory. Nobody cares about your philosophy. People care if you love them. That's what they care about. I want to talk about providence for a few minutes this morning. For those of you who don't understand providence, I want to, I want to make this short and clear cliff note version. The word providence is, is a very striking word. It only actually appears one time in the word of God. And it comes from the word provide, which has two parts. Pro, the, the Latin word, means forward. And on behalf of, which is... Uh, Latin, the word is, is vide, which means to see. So I want to explain this to you. When we're talking about providential encounters from God, we're talking about God not only seeing the landscape of what needs to change and what he needs to orchestrate. He doesn't just look at it and see it and sit on his throne with idle hands. He, the, the correct definition is not just seeing it, but he uses the term in the Latin is he sees it through. So when somebody comes to you and they say, hey, I, I have a task for you. Maybe it's, it's your boss. Maybe, maybe it's you know, a parent to the, to the child. And they say that you give them a task. Well, the, the providence of God is not giving us a task and us having the option of just sitting around and not doing anything. The providence of God says, you're my kids and you better start moving towards me and other people that need me. It's amazing to me how, how deep and how wide God's love is for us because he has shown himself to be such a loving and giving God. And yet daily it seems the body of Christ squanders everything that he represents. And you know, I didn't promise you guys that you're going to leave encouraged today. But I do promise you that you're going to have something to think about today. I want you to think about changing your life. I want you to think about where you really are in your life right now. I want you to think about your circle of influence. What, what kind of influence are you having? Whether you want to have influence or not, you have complete influence over the people around you, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. When God showed up to Abraham and there was a ram caught in the thicket, the thorns. In Genesis 22, 14, I believe, Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will 
provide. And I want to remind you guys this morning that, that, that God is not sitting on his, on his throne just playing a chess game with us. That God's providential um, demeanor with us is he will take what's bad and he will take what's good and he will place things and people around you in order not for you necessarily to succeed in your life, but for you to help other people succeed in following Christ. If you're constantly thinking about and concerned about where you are, then you're already missing the will of God because, because where God is is helping other people and serving other people. It's not, look at your neighbor and say, it's not about you. Now, I'm under the assumption right now that, that many of you, 90% or more, I hope, have a relationship with the Lord. I, I can guarantee you there's some unsaved people in here today. And that's not a criticism because I plan on you getting saved before you leave here. <laughs> the profound theological reason why the providence of God is not merely a foreknowledge, but rather the active sustenance of governance of the universe. God is governing the universe that he created. He didn't just create it and say, okay, well, you guys just do what you want to do. Just do it. Well, of course we have freedom of choice. Obviously, we all do. We're not, he did not create us and program us to be robots. He created us to hopefully make the decision one day that we're going to follow after God. But, but, but I'm going to tell you, I, I, I spent my entire Saturday yesterday grieved. Because people want to put themselves first. And the people the Bible describes that, that those that want to be first are actually going to be last. And those that are last are actually going to be first. And we're talking about the scale of humility right now. What then is the, is the providence of God? I love the way this writer says it. The almighty and everywhere present power of God, whereby, as it were, by his hand, he still upholds heaven and earth with all creatures and so governs them that herbs and grass and rain and drought and uh, fruitful and barren years, meat and drink and health and sickness and riches and poverty, yea, all things come not by chance but by his fatherly hand. No Christian wants to hear that the Lord gives and the Lord takes away because they love that theology when God is giving. But when God takes away in order to prune you and carve you and refine you in fire, Christians just freak out. And they go into this massive rage and depression against God, blaming God for all the problems in their life when really the problems in our life have to do with us. Well, Pastor, you don't know what's happened to me. You don't know what I've, I've gone through. Yeah, I do know what's happened to you because many of those things have happened to me in my life. 
And I have chosen to stay an overcomer in Christ. I don't have time to sit around and feel sorry for myself. I don't have time to sit around and have a pity party. I don't have time to sit around and wonder about the, the shoulda, the couldas, and the wouldas. I, I want to sit around and I want to think about the things of God and what God has next. I don't have time to think about all the mistakes that I've made. I'd be wasting many years ahead of me by thinking about all the stupid stuff I did behind me. And some of you guys just keep bringing up your past over and over and over again. It's like you are so fascinated and so enthralled in all the bad things that you did that you think it's going to impress. Nobody's impressed with your old self that you supposedly killed and buried in the backyard. They don't want to know that person. I don't want to know that person. I want to know the you that is worshiping God on fire. We, we sing about it. We sing about it, but what are we actively doing to light the fire of God in our life? What are you doing in your home to say, devil, enough is enough. I'm not going to live like this in front of my children anymore. Suck it up and lay your life down, not only for your God, but for your kids. They are watching you. When I was 14, I, I went to my parents and I said, Mom, Dad, I really do not want to go to the high school that my brothers went to. It's actually the school that Candace graduated from, and we know how she turned out. <laughs> Don't touch the mute. But I told my parents, you know, my brothers were, were, were in, in terrible trouble. They were doing terrible things, and I was my dad's only son, and, and so we were we were quite a mixed family, and and I, I guess I should say, you know, I went to my dad and I said, Dad, I don't I don't want to go to this this five A high school. I didn't have good grades. I wasn't athletic. I wasn't popular. I wasn't I I, I didn't talk much, and when I did talk, I had a stutter. I didn't have really, in the natural, I had absolutely nothing going for me. I didn't have friends. I didn't do much. Uh, it, was, it was just, you know, seventh and eighth grade was a, was a turning point for me. And by the, by the time I was in eighth grade, I, I, I knew that if I stayed on the course that I was at, and this was pre-salvation. I wasn't saved at this point, but there was something inside of me, which is the providence of God, saying, Court, you need to make a change, and I'm going to wait on you to make that change. And I didn't even know what change I needed to make. And I asked my parents and they figured out I wasn't asking to go to a, a Christian uh, private school. But that's where I ended up. I ended up in, a, in an Assembly of God private school. Uh, you know, a, a church that was had a private school connected to it. And it was a, a well-known school. And it was, ex it was for, in, in the 90s, that was, it was very expensive. Now, the least expensive is way more now than, than back in the early 90s for private schooling. And, and I went there, and six months later, I, I was having an a encounter with God, a, a providential encounter with God through my basketball coach. And I sat on this, this bench in this locker room, and, and, and he talked to me at Salvation. I didn't know that the, the, the friends, you know, I, you know, there's 10 people in our class, right, in our, in our freshman class. And, and so all, you know, I was number 10. I, everybody else had been there since they were little. And so I'm coming in in high school and they're, they're like, oh man, this is this guy. He, 
he's he's messed up. He's so far from the Lord. This is this is he's really disturbing our our class and our education, kind of right. And so the Lord got a hold of me, and through my coach, I prayed the prayer of salvation, and that is when my life started at 15 years old. At 15 years old, and, and here's what I want you to understand about the providential. Um, part of God that we don't think about, we don't recognize. God knew in that very moment that it wasn't just about me accepting Jesus. He knew before all this happened that, that I, and this is not a braggadocious time, please don't get this wrong, but he knew before my salvation, way before my salvation, way before my birth, way before all of that, God knew that I was going to get saved at 15 in that smelly basketball locker room. And in turn, two years, three years later, I would start winning people to the Lord. And by the time I left college, that I had won hundreds of people to the Lord. And that I went straight into the ministry working with the homeless and started winning more souls. And then was director of a, a drug rehab and started winning souls every day. And then, you know, my dad got saved and all sorts of amazing things happened. Because not about court riddle, but it was the providence of God. The providence of God that in, in 2022, I can be here in front of you today knowing that I did not get here by any giftings or anything special about me. I got here because I serve a very special God. I think about here what Charles Spurgeon says. He goes, God uses some unusual means to bring people to salvation. He tells a man, I love this story. He tells this story of a man who went to a chapel to listen to the singing. But he didn't want to hear the preaching. And as soon as the pastor began to preach, he put in earplugs. None of you all have earplugs in right now. No kids. I want to verify that's dark out there. So the man put his fingers in his ears. The pastor started preaching. But after a while, there was an insect that landed on his face. And y'all know what happens next. In order for him, he was after he didn't even put earplugs in. He just put his fingers in his ears during the whole sermon. You know that's that's a bit offensive, don't you think? Right. And and so this guy's got his fingers in his ears. Virgin tells the. The story, and uh, of course, there's a bug that lands on his nose, and now this little bug is irritating, and he needs to, you know, scratch this itch, right? And so he pulls one finger out of his ear in order to take care of the bug, and right when he does that, the pastor said, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Seriously, true story. And this gentleman, by the end of that service, he accepted the Lord got saved and became a big integral part of that church as a leader. I, I, I tell you this, this, this a, a bit of a cheesy story like this to remind you that God's ways are certainly not your ways. And if God calls you, this works better for a person that hasn't struggled with alcohol. But if God calls you to go and minister into a bar, you better do it. Well, what will people think of me? It doesn't matter what anybody thinks of you. What matters is if you are listening to what God has told you to do. The providence of God and the events 
And the dialogue that he places in your life through relationship is the most important part of your life. Because you're not just here to worship and to pray and to pray. You are here and you are saved to spread the gospel to other people. Amen? I love how we get in our professional mode. We get, men are the worst about this. We get more stoic. We get more quiet. You know, we puff out our chest a little bit more. We do these things in order to look more professional, more manly, more this, more that. And I'm going to tell you, that is the reason why America is in this place right now. Because men that are called by God are not speaking up and they're not fighting. God created men to be fighters. God created men to protect. We are in a time and a place where police officers will not even run into a building quickly because a supervisor, supervisor tells them to stop. And not save these kids. This recently just happened. There's no denying debate on this. That that is what happened. We need the last days of the church. To be courage filled. And not coward filled. We need men to be able to grab the hand of their wife. And say everything is going to be okay. Because I'm seeking the Lord for our family. Amen. I love how Psalm 51, 17 in the Message Bible says, Going through the motions doesn't please you. A flawless performance is nothing to you. I learned God worship when my pride was shattered. Heart shattered. Lives ready for love. Don't for a moment escape God's notice. Do you know the... Earthly brokenness is heavenly openness. The more you are broken before God on earth, the more the heavens will open in your behalf and for your family. What am I? I'm talking about vulnerability. The providence of God is a license for us men, for you women, to be vulnerable, to be open, to be transparent, to be go figure, to, to not be liars. The church is filled with people that constantly lie. And the person that they lie to themselves to the most is themselves. They lie and they, and they start believing it. So when somebody, a, a man or a woman of God, confronts them about something in their life that is not actually true, they get defensive and they, they, they get hurt and they get wounded and they start saying the church or my friends or my family hurt them. But really, the hurt came many years before when you started believing the lie that you told yourself. Man, I can't get through to people like that. Because it takes surrender. 
It takes vulnerability. I'm asking you, church, to become vulnerable before the Lord and other people. I'm asking you to trust the providence of God. I'm asking you to trust him like you say you trust. Everybody in here, if I ask you, do you trust God? 99.9% .9 of you are going to say, yeah, Pastor, yeah. But our actions have to line up with our words. And when you say that you trust God, that means the opinion of man regarding what God has called you to do goes right out the window. If I led my life based on the criticism of church people, I would be in a grave already. Because everybody, you know, and it's always fun. Let me just take a rabbit trail just because I feel like it. Do I come to your work and tell you how to work on an engine? Hmm? Do I come to your work and tell you how to wire things even though you're an electrician and I'm not? Do I tell you how to wire a house or how to wire this building? No. But I find it so easy for people to not only criticize the pastor, but criticize what the church is doing because they truly don't have an understanding of what the vision of the church actually is. Put up the vision of the church real quick, Jamie. It's on one of those slides. First of all, our vision and our mission, they, they interlink, but our vision is to pursue the restoration of every person to who? To Jesus. If our mission is anything different than that, are we really a church? Our mission is to love God and to love people. God has made things so transparent and easy for us to follow. But we keep overanalyzing and over trying to be a theologian about everything. Jesus wants us to be honest about where we are and he wants us to be aware that when our hearts are shattered, he is there to pick up the pieces. Some of you, man, I look out here and I see how many, how many praise reports People that even a year ago had no relationship with their son or daughter, and now they have open and honest dialogue with their kids. I see people out here, and Kirsten, i got to pick on you, and Nate. Nate's probably working right now, isn't he? Okay. So all the things that we pray for, for, for Nolan, and all the miracles that we hope for have come to pass. But here's something that I don't even need to ask Kirsten about. So, so Kirsten, I, I hear from the grapevine that other women that are struggling in their pregnancies have come to her and have asked her for support, for help, for prayer, whatever it is. That is the providence of God. We love Nolan.
But it's not just about Nolan. It's not just about Nolan living and having a great normal life, a supernatural life. It's about all the people that are reaping the harvest of Nolan being alive right now. That is the providence of God. And curse that I'm embarrassed that I'm going to have to repent later. It's, I'll send you a rose or something in the mail. But she is a, she is a quiet person. She's, she's, she's a lot like me. She's, you know, it doesn't seem like it, but I'm really, I really am an introvert. Okay? No, no, you don't believe it. God's changed me a lot. But for God to use this family... To use your testimony. That is the providence of God. That is God moving the pieces around. So more people will accept his son. And go to heaven one day. This is why we do all of this. We, I don't prepare and, and, and preach. Um, for you to feel better. I prepare and preach. For you to help other people feel better. Because when you start serving other people, your life will change. Some of you are so hell-bent in having your brain and your job all the time. You are missing the providence of God in your life. Now granted, it's still there. God is still moving the pieces. He will still make everything new that, that people will receive him. But I believe that some of us are simply wasting time. Wasting time trying to build something in the natural. And we have suffocated what God wants to do in the supernatural. Because we simply haven't said, God, I'm going to lay this down. Because I'm simply away from my family too much. Get your priorities right. Church time is certainly running out. I love this point in um, Jesus' life at the very end of his life where he becomes very vulnerable. Probably the most vulnerable we see him in the word of God and that's recorded in other gospels, but let me read it from Matthew chapter 26, 37 to 39. And Jesus went with them to a garden called Gethsemane. And he told his disciples, stay here while I go over there and pray. And taking along Peter and two sons of Zebedee, he plunged into an agonizing sorrow. I want you to think about this, an agonizing sorrow. Then he said, the sorrow is crushing my life out. Can you all imagine, Jesus is not addressing merely emotional or even physical pain that he's going to endure. He is taking on the sins of the world. He is taking on Court's sins and Ed's sins and Sean's sins and Chuck's sins and on and on. He is taking on all the sins of the world 
in a moment as God is preparing him. And Jesus is in complete sorrow. The Bible describes that his sweat was as drops of blood hitting the leaves below him as he kneeled down. Those capillaries from stress that happens in times of war to soldiers breaking and mixing blood and sweat and, and droplets coming down. Jesus is going through this crushing of sorrow, not a feeling. I don't want to describe it as a feeling because it's so much more than Jesus just feeling the sins of the world. He is taking on the sins of all of you. And we got to get back to Christianity 101. We have veered in too many directions with theological meanings that God has never even given us. We serve a God that is forthright with us. We serve a God that says, guess what? I want to save your entire family. Your entire family. And so we look a, a little ahead here. He says this sorrow is crushing. Stay here and keep vigil with me. He's presenting to these three men vulnerability. The Savior of the world is, is not trying to stick his chest up and man up. This is how my grandfather was in a lot of ways, the opposite of Jesus here. I mean, my grandfather, I, I, I remember a story my dad told that, that he was at a baseball game. He loved baseball. In fact, he played a lot of baseball. He's a very good baseball player. And he always wore a step set. This was in the Corpus Christi area. And, and a guy walked by and just accidentally knocked the Stetson off his head. And two seconds later, this same guy that knocked it off his head was tumbling down the stadium because my grandfather just, just in a rage, just knocked him out. This is the same grandfather that loved to hunt so much that when my dad was little, he actually sold the family house that they were living with to go elk hunting in Canada. I know y'all are looking around like, huh, that's an interesting, okay. I don't know that we have that many hunters in, at the age, but I know we have some. Please don't do that to your family. But the whole man up professional, I'm bigger, I'm stronger, I have more capacity than you is not the Christian way. The Christian way, the man way, is to be vulnerable. What, what would happen if the men in here actually, so I'm not saying everybody is wrong and everybody, but we, we do have some struggles in this church. We have some, the body of Christ in general has a lot of marriage issues. Marriage issues with Christ and marriage issues with our spouse. But I wonder what happened if every marriage right now decided to begin to actually have face-to-face -face conversations and dialogue. Most of the dialogue that I see in counseling 
is the phone is still in front of them and they're answering text messages while they're there to work on their marriage. And I have to say, put your phone up. What's wrong with us? When as the body of Christ, we can't even commit to communicating with our spouse. I mean, I'm going to tell you, and I give my wife all credit for this. We, Candace and I, have one of the best marriages that I know of. And I can say that of no part of me. Because she has had to put up with a lot of crazy. Hey, Candace, the Lord's telling us we're leaving. We're going across the country. We're moving to Wyoming. Well, this was three times, actually, this has happened. We've had a lot of houses, and we've uprooted a lot of times because she has trusted me to follow the call of God in my life. Who does that? Very few marriages will do that. Why? Because there's so much trust has been broken. And trust has been broken because you never allowed yourself to be vulnerable with each other and be transparent. And I'm not saying everybody, but some just don't want to be honest. The church has got to change that and change it quickly. Because we've got a new generation that is coming up right now. We've got children's church downstairs that has been packed. We've got kids watching their parents. And I'm not, please know I'm not just talking about destiny. I'm talking about the church in general in America as kids are watching their parents come to church and be one way and then be at home a completely different way. God more? Why don't you fear God more? I'm talking of, of, of good fear of your father, not a negative connotation fear. Why don't we fear God anymore? Why does it seem like America does not fear God? And I'm talking about people that claim to know him. Pastors and pulpits all over the nation that will not address Abortion and the killing of babies because they're scared they're going to lose their liberal church members. I'd be afraid of going to hell. Fear God, don't fear man. Man can't do anything to you except take your life. And that's, this is not even your real life. I mean, this is where we really need to start laughing at you because the enemy still wants you to think that as a Christian, there's still a sting to death. But God said the sting has been removed. There is no, there is no issue anymore. And I, I'm going to tell you, we got a lot of, we got a lot of uh, post-Catholics in here. I don't know if you knew that or not. I'm just letting you know, there's some hands going up right now. I'm not, that's, that's good. We're still praying for you guys. <laughs> But you know, the, the Catholic Church has, has taught 
writings about purgatory. That you've, you've got some time. If you didn't really make it all the way, you've got some time to work things out in the middle. No, you don't. That's not in the Bible. It's either heaven or hell. All right. If you're still Catholic, I just totally offended you. That's okay. Please visit again. God promises. I love this in Isaiah 42. Praise the name. Y'all could come up. He would never crush a broken heart or disregard the weak and vulnerable. That he will make sure justice comes to those who are wrong. That's Isaiah 42, 3. 2 Corinthians 6 says in verse 11. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. Let's just stop there. What affections do you presently have in your life right now that are separating you from understanding and living in the providential passion of God. You need to get rid of those things. You don't have to like me for saying it. I don't care about that. What I care about is that you start eliminating things in your life that are hindering you from all the things that God wants to do in you and through you. Maybe you're doing pretty, maybe you feel like you're doing everything pretty well in your life, but there's just something about you that when somebody pushes you a point, you lash out at them and you cut them out of your life. Now that's for somebody, if not multiple. People deserve the grace of God flowing out of you. People deserve chance after chance to reconcile. People deserve to see the kindness of God out of you. People deserve to see it over and over again. Whether you're worn out with doing it or not, it is the call of God on your life. To love people where they are. Doesn't mean you got to be their best buddy. Doesn't mean you're asking them to go out for dinner. Right? But it does mean that you're taking the time to reach out to them. And say, you know what? Whatever happened between us, it's in the past. I'm moving forward. Will you move forward towards Jesus with me. No, then you have people that are offended with that. You want to love on them and you want to be there for them and they, they, they just turn around and they'll say yes, but then they'll start talking smack about you to other people. Candace and I, we've giggled about this for years in pastoring that people think that things are secrets. But that secret always ends up coming out of somebody's mouth later down the road. And by that time, we probably already had it figured out. 
But it's amazing how people, when they are disgruntled, they want to run around and be disgruntled to everybody else in regards to how you messed up their life. Most people don't take the time to say, you know what? What part do I have in this issue and in this sin? We've got to examine our hearts today. Church, it starts with me. We all have to do it, and we've got to be diligent. You have God's providence in your life. Stand with me. It's a freedom and a liberty to be open and vulnerable. Why, why am I saying so much about vulnerability this morning? Because most, 90% of the problems that I'm seeing in our body and in this community and in this nation is people just want to try to look better than they're actually doing. Church should be a place where you can come and fall to pieces. Church should be a place where you can come and get snot and tears and whatever else is coming off of you on the floors and on the altar. I sounded a bit gross, but you know what I'm saying? Hair gel, whatever. All right? Not for some of you guys. <laughs> I'll always take these turns at the very end. I don't know. But you should be able to come to church and be so open and so transparent and so vulnerable that now you have forgotten about anybody else in the building and it's all about you and Jesus. You know what I did is I just described worship. That's what worship is supposed Worship, I, I know I say this often, but I, I just, it's constantly a teaching that we need to go over. Worship is not singing songs. You can go to any secular concert and do that. Worship is presenting yourself to God without, without any exhibition of, God, what are you going to do for me? Worship is simply coming in and saying, God, you've already done it all. I am in awe of you. Telling if you guys, if you guys can do this, when I when, when I got when I got back from in, in, in '98, when I got back from being gone at school, I left a place where there was worship three times a day, you know, packed with people. Always a great praise band. Always great things going on and places to pray and a prayer garden and all these things in this, this little bubble of Bible college, right? And so I got home and everybody was still doing everything that they'd always been doing. And I got home and I was like, man, this is a, this is a drag. And the Lord spoke to me about worship. And so what I would do, I didn't go, I still, I, of course I went to church, but I didn't go to church expecting all of these crazy things that I used to expect. I had expectations, but now it had become less corporate and more personal between me and God, if that makes sense. And so I would go into my room, my parents' house, and I would, I would turn on some worship music. 
And, and I would just be alone with God. I would light a candle and I would just start worshiping the Lord. And I would look up and it was four hours later. You have got to get yourself prone to be intimate with God. It's not going to happen on its own. You've got to put yourself in a position to receive from God. Not a position to ask, but a position to be receptive to God so that your cup overflows. If you guys have noticed, coming to church on Sunday morning, Wednesday night, it's not going to fill your cup. It's not. You got to seek the Lord on your own. You got to be vulnerable with God. You men need to be able to say, God, because of my pride, I'm destroying my marriage. You women need to be able to say, because of my pride, I'm destroying my marriage. We need to be able to say, because of our pride, we are destroying the relationship with our children and grandchildren, friends and family. We have got to humble ourselves before God and get vulnerable. Let's pray before the, the team sings a song again and we go about our day and this weekend. Father, we know that today is a true day of independence because it's a reminder that we are independently dependent on you. That it's really, for us, we have freedom in you, but we are so, for the true person that is walking in Christ, they would say, I'm, I'm not independent of anything. I am dependent on you, God. I cannot do anything apart from you that is worthy, that is holy, that is righteous. This Independence Day should remind all of us that we are absolutely nothing without Jesus. Your marriage is nothing without Jesus. The relationships with your life are struggling heavily because some of those, they just don't want to surrender to Jesus and God gets it. Father, we know you get that. We know that you want to see everybody around us saved and set free. But Father, they also have to make that choice to lay down their life for you. I'm going to ask you a question today before we close up services. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you would say, you know what, I just, I'm not sure if I even have a relationship with God. I'm not sure that I've really surrendered my life to Jesus. Maybe you've been sitting in this church or you've been active in this church for many years. And you are really struggling. You're not even living for God anymore. You're just doing things out of habit, out of procedure, putting on your professional Christian face in front of other people. But God sees what you need this morning. God sees that you need a fresh start. God sees that you need to understand better His providence 
in your life, his providential encounters that he has provided in your life. If you're here today and you would say, you know what, Court, I, I'm not even sure if Jesus came today that I would be ready. I'm not even sure that I have a relationship with him. I'm just not absolutely sure today. I want you to know that in 30 seconds from now, you can absolutely be sure of where you're going when you die. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask this, this petition of you that you have already thought about that. If you were here this morning, you would say, you know what, I need to start fresh in Jesus, whether you this is your first time or whether you've been away from the Lord for many years. Maybe it's been weeks, maybe it's been months. It's between you and God. But if you're here today and you fit any of those categories that I just tried, attempted to describe, with every head bowed, every eye closed, could you just shoot your hand up for me real quickly and then put it right back down? Yes. Yes, yes. Yes. Y'all can put your hands down. Is there anybody else that would say today, I need to get right with the Lord. I've been playing some games. I need to get my heart right right now. I don't have any more time. Put your hand up and put it right back down for me. Thank you. to pray for these folks right now. I know this has been this is done in so many different ways. Everybody has their theories and everybody has their comments about this. Uh, but one thing I know, salvation occurs in any position that you're in. It occurs in the balcony of churches, in the back of churches, in the front of churches, in church parking lots, and in most cases, in Walmart parking lots and different places like that at job sites. But today we just happen to be in a church and I've asked you this question and you've raised your hand and I want us to pray right now for those of you who lifted your hand and you want to start fresh with God. I want you to pray this prayer. Mean it with all that you are. Say it out loud. Let the Lord hear you say it. Let yourself hear it. Let the enemy hear you say it as well. For the rest of the body, will you join with me as we support them accepting Jesus or coming back to Jesus today? And we would pray something like this. Father God, you sent your son to die for me. I've not always lived the right way. And I admit that now. I repent of all my sins. And I ask you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life. To save me right now. To cleanse me right now. And to write me in your book right now. I thank you, Father, for setting me free. And I will follow through reading your words, speaking to you, and 
being rooted in a strong body of Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, can we give the Lord a hand?